Hello everyone. Welcome to the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I am Val Hughes. And I'm Vern Value. And we're here to discuss the April 14th Value Line Investment Survey. As we do every week, we try to give you our candid, unvarnished thoughts on the week's Value Line uh, recommendations. Uh, we are longtime Wall Street analysts. We've been doing this for a long time. And on weekends, we have decided to take on secret identities to bring you our unvarnished views of these stocks. We may own these stocks. No varnish. I try to own as many as possible, um, and uh, we also view this as entertainment, so please uh, you know, be warned that uh, we may be very, very wrong in our recommendations. And uh, please check out our website at www.thevalueguides.com to perhaps learn a little more about our secret identities and who we are and why we think we should be doing this. Uh, and this week, as we do every week, we're going to uh, review some of the best ideas we've seen in the table of contents in this week's value line. There's a lot of industries here this week, a little bit on the technology side. And we're going to start off with uh, the views of Vern Value. Vern values views. I like that alliteration. Um, and of course, I would add to your uh, comments, Val, that uh, while we uh, while we recognize that we may often be wrong, um, as we have been many times in our careers, um, that's not our intention. We're trying. We to be are right trying to be right. So, uh, yeah, it may be entertainment, but um, you know, we we'll do. Take we do really seriously. We hope you. Uh, we hope you get now. You're out of town this week. Um, I think. Is I that right? Is that yeah, where, where yeah, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the where? road again. So now we got to fight the logistical battle. I'm in Cleveland. Beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. Formerly known as the Mistake by the Lake. Now known as the... Uh, uh -huh. Hey, my the, grandmother's uh, from there, so uh, watch it. Yeah, that's Grandma's right. from Cleveland? Wow. Well, I'll have to uh, stop in and see her. Why don't you, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, text me her... Uh, uh, her will be seeing her soon. Bye. <laughs> okay, At your age, we'll anyway. Look forward to that. Um, come on, I'll, I'll okay. finish this off. I'll get down to the flats and uh, do some uh, serious okay. uh, elbow bending. Um, so, I, you know, as we uh, as we commonly do, or at least as I commonly do, uh, scanned uh, this week's selections of uh, top-ranked and bottom-ranked stocks, and uh, of course, I'll also keep a special eye towards names that uh, would be of particular interest. Um, this week, that led me to GE out of the Electrical Equipment Group, um, which I don't believe we've talked about before here on the Value Line Observer, but uh, I thought we ought to talk about it because it's relatively controversial stock right now. A lot of people pushing it uh, uh, as a good idea. Uh, value Line rates of three, but they've rated it a three since 2003, so I'm not so sure that their opinion is all that current here. Um, now, having said that, though, I can't say I disagree a whole lot. Um, a very interesting page to look at because if you uh, if you look at their description uh, of the history of the company, that little box that appears sometimes on the left-hand side yeah. next to the uh, data table, uh, this one this one points out that. Uh, for greater clarity, 
Your presentation now includes all of GE Capital beginning in 2000. Well, That's less clarity, isn't it? I have news for you. <laughs> um, adding GE Capital does anything except I, it does only one thing. Well, I know that a few years ago, Jeff Imhel talked about how uh, they were going to be growing the great industrial engine of GE and how the financial side was a small piece of that. That when you look in the financials every year, it continues to be a bigger and bigger piece of GE, despite what they say. Yeah, let's point that. Let's, uh, let's add that up for people. If you look at the description of the business, commercial finance and consumer finance together accounted for better than 25 percent of revenue. And look at the operating income numbers, people. 33 percent. Well, even more interestingly, and you you, you know this better than I do, but if you take the capital that's required to be in GE Capital out of the consolidated numbers, what pops out is the true leverage of the GE industrial side, and it ain't pretty. Well, it's a lot different. It's a lot different than the 66 percent of capital right. that they're showing for over, overall capital structure here. I mean, it's just stupid to do it this way because you leverage uh, finance operations totally different than you do manufacturing businesses. And if you want to get a measure of the distortion, look at the difference in the uh, 99 to 2,000 columns for sales. That's a good and year, I guess. Capital and the number more than doubled. Operating margin went from. Look at this operating margin number, north of 60% operating margin. My God, why isn't the uh, PE here 180 or something like that? Um, well, I, we have some idea why, okay? Uh, for example, uh, well, first let's, you know, what's the attraction here? GE, Bellwether uh, Industrial, considered a uh, core holding for a lot of growth portfolios in the 90s, currently trading at a discount to market. Um, we've got 11 to 12 times cash flow. Uh, very attractive looking yield, 2.9%. I mean, that's according to value line, you know, close to twice the median yield for old dividend paying stocks. Um, but I do notice that I pay a 20% tax rate at GE, and I notice that the return on capital is less than 10%. Now, of course, we have the consumer finance and the commercial finance businesses in here that distort these numbers. But even if you go back to that 99 to 2000 time frame, you'll see that at that time, when they added GE capital to the mix, they took 10 points off a return on capital profile. So, I, you know, I, is it really... Uh, is well, it really and the return on assets of, is uh, just plummeting uh, as the capital 14, side gets a bigger piece uh, of the business. 25... Well, I'm just trying to make a simpler point, Val, and that is that who knows what their return on capital is and whether this is a well-run business or not. There's so many odd moving pieces here that distort the uh, the benchmark and earnings per share. I'll also I'll just make one last point. I, you're you're stock this week, but I don't like how this company so. talks um, about uh, making sure there's yeah. clarity in their financials while they continue to obfuscate their financials at the same time. It's amazingly Orwellian, and somebody should get on that. Um, so there's, there's no value here, but then I went carefully through the rest of the electrical equipment stocks, and uh, I gotta tell you, folks, not many of these look very attractive. And there's a couple ones in there, um, like Thomas and Betts, that uh, look they have look like they have everything good in the price already. But I did find one that I think looks pretty good. Hull, uh, symbol H-U-B-B. I don't know this company. Uh, uh, value line just lowered the rating to a four. Um, it's 0.8 billion market cap. 
Uh, revenue is about 2.2 plus billion. Uh, the stock's um, yeah, close to recent high, all-time high, but uh, off its highs a little bit. Um, I see a PE that's in basically in line with market. But here, just like with GE, a very attractive yield is 2.6%. What do they do? They make electrical equipment for commercial, industrial, and utility customers. Folks, this tells me that this is a play on an improved uh, U.S. non-residential construction market. And so what would my leverage to the U.S. be? Well, I see foreign operations are only 10% of sales. I also see further in the description here that they make some products for power transmission. And any of you people that uh, might live in the uh, uh, upper Midwest or uh, that went through blackout or the, the, uh, the, the uh, uh, New England states that went through blackouts in the last couple of years, uh, you're probably painfully aware that increased investment in uh, electrical transmission is a major priority for the country. I'm looking at value on cash flow and earnings projections. And basically, they're showing, I mean, really almost no growth in earnings per share uh, really over uh, the last couple of years and through their 07 forecast period, um, despite the fact that the uh, non-residential construction market in real terms, folks, uh, you know, the, the brick and mortar, not, um, not in prices inflated by the cost of materials, that real activity has really just started to pick up. If they read the, the value lines analysis here, they also indicate uh, that Hubble's been having problems in its factories um, related to production inefficiencies. Well, those things can be fixed, folks. And uh, it even goes on to say that the electrical segment, in other words, the segment that would benefit from what I'm talking about in terms of uh, fundamentals, um, is then restructured and Hubble's kind of completed changes this year. In other words, some of this depressed earnings growth we're looking at is apparently from non-recurring charges and the like. Um, or if not, it broken out as non-recurring, a variety of uh, expense issues that have depressed returns. Yet return on capital has been pretty stable, 14%. Looking at operating margins that have been, you know, 13, 14% for several years. Looks like a, looks to me like a company that's performing and been performing in kind of a tough environment, doing very well. I'll tell you, these estimates are going to go up. What looks like a market multiple is going to turn out to have been a pretty significant discount. And um, I think this uh, this doesn't look like a four. It looks like a one to me. So Hubble, buy Hubble, and if uh, you're aggressive, short GE against it. Um, then I turn my attention to uh, the uh, office equipment group, which I mean, you know, case it's a pretty eclectic group. They have you know companies like United Stationers in there. Um, but uh, what got me interested here, looking at the ones and twos, is a couple companies that I have particular interest in. First one, SanDisk, uh, because I'm a big fan. I use their products. Uh, 12 billion market cap stock, SNDK is the symbol. They make storage products. Value um, line uh, calls it high-density flash memory. Um, but basically, I would tell you that uh, this company is, I know them anyway, is a maker of uh, UB, USB flash drives, those little um, the cartridges that you can plug into the side of your laptop that have such amazing storage capacity, uh, as well as the little cards that go with your digital cameras, uh, where there is an ongoing um, uh, product development cycle underway, and they're ultimately going to be producing cards that will also be able to handle video. Probably not. Um, so very exciting uh, uh, fundamentals. Uh, can I get it at a good value? 
<laughs> price of uh, now, now this is what's great about it. The price of sixty-two dollars is down something like twenty percent off of its high this year, just short of eighty bucks. But even at sixty-two dollars, twenty times cash flow, thirty times earnings. There's no dividend, of course, because they're trying to grow the company. Operating margin, twenty almost twenty-six percent up three, twenty-five seven, twenty back up to twenty-seven nine. But then forecast by value line to deteriorate steadily uh, to a number closer to 21%. Well, why? Well, it reads what the value yeah. line has to say about the company. They reduced prices by about 25 to 30% in the first quarter to simulate demand. I bet they simulated demand. Um, they're also working on increasing capacity. Of course they are. If your business model is going to be to price cut your way to prosperity, well, you're going to need to make billions and millions more of whatever and it is to make to make up for these kind of price declines. Uh, in, the, in the second column, it says... Well, and you can imagine, uh, you know, the size of the giant factory you need to make something that's the size of basically a cigarette lighter that sells for $100. I mean, it's not going to be hard to add way too much capacity in this business. What do they say here? Investors apparently fear a slowing in the rate of growth of the possibility of flash armory supply overtaking that's demand, going on for years. leading to sharply lower selling prices. What gets me about this is they lowered prices 25 to 30% without problem supply. Okay, so... That's that's Andis. Let's look at Xerox instead, a two-rated stock, recently raised. This stock has done basically nothing for the last three or four years. PE is under 15, um, more than a 20% discount to the market. Today, uh, Xerox has got a 14 billion market cap. I'm sure down a lot from where it was in its heyday. Uh, they apparently have had some issues with debt, but they've been paying it down. It's below 50% of capital now. Um, I'm looking at performance of the company. Am I buying am I buying something that's broken? Am I buying something that can get back? Well, I'm looking at operating margins have been really pretty rock steady for the last three years or four years. Again, way down from where they were at one time, um, but appear to have stabilized. Return on capital is better than it's been in a few years. And the reason I'm, I'm – if it seems like I might have a little bit of a positive bias the way I'm looking at these numbers – it's because I'm reading from Value Line that R&D efforts have been stepped up dramatically, which would make sense as Xerox has seen its you know, traditional uh, ability to extort money from businesses um, with uh, their, their traditional black and white copier business um, has been going away. And so there's a lot of discussion here, new color products coming on. Value Line thinks earnings growth can be like 15%. I look carefully at these uh, quarterly revenue and earnings comparisons that Value Lines produce, and if you look at them carefully, you'll see that the earnings per share year-to-year comparisons are expected to accelerate through the course of this year, 22 versus 20, then 24 versus 20, then 22 versus 18. Fourth quarter comparison was difficult, um, but it looks like a, uh, a significant investment that's been made in trying to find some growth for this business, maybe doing so. And, um, you know, as my uh, colleague Val likes to point out, the value of, an, of, a, uh, of a major household brand, although very difficult to calculate, is certainly worth something. And there's nothing I see in a 15 times multiple on this kind of what looks like relatively stable performance, an outlook for some sales growth, some accelerating earnings growth, 
I don't see the value of the Xerox brand in here. Got improving the financial Well, conditions. they went, your, Xerox went through a big restructuring a few years ago. Flow. I think they had some accounting um, problems, some revenue issues. So, this one of the, uh, yeah. so uh, maybe people aren't uh, thinking uh, enough about the changes that have gone on. Uh, to you all, about value line ideas. Oh, they, were, they, they seemed nearly dead. It looks uh, it looks to me like uh, like there's something uh, significant. I got one more stock I want to talk about now, uh, and that's Kilikens off uh, real quickly. There's a half a billion market cap uh, semiconductor capital equipment stock. Normally, I wouldn't mess around with this idea. The cycles here are very abrupt, very difficult to forecast. But at under ten dollars, it has under a ten PE, and it's been priced about half of a market multiple. Yes, the number of the financial results. Uh, recently have been um, have been quite good, but I looked very carefully at the non-recurring items down in the footnotes at the bottom of the page, and I look at when those issues occurred, and it would be an 03 and 05 in big numbers, and if I uh, if I then adjust uh, certainly the 05 operating margin number, I'm looking at a business that looks like it's a pretty stable earner at this point. So even if uh, even if revenue turns out to be something like a third short of what uh, Value Line is looking for, that still would keep me well below the market multiple. And I had to believe at some point uh, a name like this would be a real pickout candidate. The debt um, might look a little onerous to you, but they got 100 million cash on the balance sheet. Um, and I guess the ultimate question for the stock and what Value Line talks about here is where uh, where is the business going? And so I took a quick look at uh, industry. Uh, Industry data on both uh, what's called front end and back end um, equipment in the semicap equipment industry. Silicon Safa, which makes assembly equipment, uh, would be in the back end. Back end tends to trade the front end or lag it, uh, but correlate with it. And front end equipment orders, folks, turned up the last uh, six months or so. And um, in the most recent data points, we're uh, showing very good sequential growth. So uh, that tells me that these earnings estimates are probably good. And um, the front end having just turned up, the, uh, the, uh, the back end turn down that the, uh, looks like it's priced into the stock, maybe it's not going to occur. So this one looks like a little speculative to me. But, uh, hey, thanks, for thanks Vern. Very Listen, very let's take our traditional long beverage break in this right now. So uh, with that, I'll now turn it over to my colleague, Val. <sighs> well, that's a lot of talking. By uh, Vern. So just relax now, and I'm going to uh, see what I have here. I, like oh, Vern, have just idea. kind of paged I'm, I'm through value line this week. I'm just taking them in order. Uh, there's a lot of industries here that, um, you know, are in some part commodities or distributors or things that are hard to establish a proprietary edge in. But one company that just comes off the top here, this is on page 1012 in their electrical equipment industry. Uh, typically, this industry is going to be a GDP type of grower, of course, unless they can supply international markets, which is sometimes difficult with weight to value and stuff like that. But one company in here, WW Granger, ticker GWW, uh, value lines rated at three. 
This is one of the great companies of industrial America in the sense that they are a leading provider of maintenance, repair, and operating supplies, services, and related information to businesses and institutions. These guys put big warehouses of everything you might need to run a factory in and amongst industrial warehouse zones and industrial production zones, and they try to supply anything you might need within about an hour or two, and they're extremely good at it. They've earned very stable returns forever. They've got no debt. They've got... Uh, you know, $6 in cash flow per share. And uh, the stock is trading at a very slight premium to the market, a 1% premium. Now, normally, this is a bit high for me. I think you should buy this lower and just keep your eye on it because it's a great company. But, you know, to buy it at a market multiple is not a horrible thing. If you own it, I just hold it for the long term. If you're looking at it, wait for, uh, you know, a price a bit lower, maybe under 70 and that's going to be a good long-term hold. <clears throat> then I'm looking down here, I come to uh, the electronics industry, and there's uh, a stock in here that, uh, you know, has been a great long-term performer. They're trying to change their spots a little bit. I don't think Value Line knows that, and uh, it may be a great little idea. It's called Plantronics, ticker PLT. Uh, Value Line rates at four. This is on page 1041. The stock is at a slight premium to the market, uh, but what these guys do is they have a giant market share, I think approaching 50% in uh, industrial-type headsets for call centers and things like that. Their claim to fame is they, you know, sold Neil Armstrong the headset he wore on the moon, and, and they do, in fact, have superior technology. Um, this, uh, this company has earned 20% return on capital forever. They've got uh, great returns on equity good balance sheet, uh, very well run. They earn very uh, stable margins in the sort of mid-teens, occasionally spiking higher. And, uh, you know, traditionally it's been a good stock over time. <clears throat> a few years ago, um, there became this little market for Bluetooth headsets with regard to cell phones and game systems and things, and it was a little bit of a fashion item. And you may know about this company called... Uh, I think Jabra that sells these uh, very flashy headsets and Bluetooth devices. Well, Plantronics uh, doesn't like being on the bleeding edge of new products. They like to wait and make sure these markets are evolved before they spend money to be the best of class in the space. And so this Jabra got a little bit of a head start. I believe it's owned by a German company. And uh, Plantronics kind of sat it out. The marketplace thought Plantronics missed the boat. The stock went from 48 to 30 or something like that. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the company has come out with a terrific line of Bluetooth products. Uh, they have purchased an old speaker company called Altec Lansing primarily to uh, ensure themselves distribution space in America's consumer retailers for electronics. And they're doing nothing short of trying to transform themselves from an industrial supplier into a branded consumer supplier. They went out of their way to get a Microsoft endorsement for a headset to go with the Xbox 360 and have a lot of high-tech ads associated with that. They've got some ads associated with these Bluetooth sets and some new uh, product in that channel. They now have about half the shelf space in Best Buy and in the Verizon store, and they're coming out of nowhere. This product was not real, really available this last Christmas. 
the biggest days of the year for purchasing gadgets that men and boys like is Father's Day, and that's coming up. So the first real data point for a spike in business here is coming up, and then Christmas is coming up. I think this company may have some success in transforming themselves. It's trading at 22 times earnings, but uh, Vern, as you pointed out earlier, these estimates are proving, I believe, are going to prove to be low. This price is going to prove to be a discount to the market, and the company is just trying to, the stock is just trying to find its way back to its old highs and get to its old trading patterns. And I think rated four is too harsh. Uh, I'd put this one away. Don't look at it for a while. And this is going to be, I think, up a lot by next spring. Uh, next, I want to spend just a minute talking about two stocks that they've got in their uh, semiconductor industry uh, group here, Intel and Advanced Micro. Now, we're revisiting this again. And uh, they have Advanced Micro rated 1, Intel rated 4. I know Advanced Micro is putting out some good numbers here, but I just want to point out the earnings at Advanced Micro for the last three years were... 39, or, I'm sorry, a loss of 79 cents, a earnings of 39 cents a share, and earnings of 62 cents a share. This year estimated to be a buck 35. Their capital spending during that period per share, a buck 63. 374, 347, 350. These guys are spending triple their earnings every year on capital spending. They don't have the depreciation to cover that. And uh, they're having some hits here and a little bit of share gain. But, ladies and gentlemen, I think it's unsustainable. Uh, they've really had trouble putting up any decent returns. Meantime, you have Intel rated 4. It's trading at about uh, less than 10 times cash flow. What's that? Oh, okay. I think it's this Internet connection that we have. But in any case, uh, they have a long history of above 20% returns. They have enough earnings to actually sustain a capital spending effort, which, by the way, is about five times in absolute dollars that of uh, Advanced Micro. I think a very interesting thought here is just go long Intel, short Advanced Micro, and go away. It could go against you for, you know, a, a month or two, but uh, Intel's going to ultimately crush Advanced Micro. You know, Apple Computer just put out a little program that's going to let you use uh, your uh, Apple computer to run Windows, and it's going to be faster than most platforms actually running Windows uh, natively. And you know what? They just switched to Intel chips. So one of the fastest-growing computer platforms is also uh, on Intel now, and uh, I just think that that is a mispricing that you can take advantage of. Uh, moving along. And they've got a computer section here. This is a couple of stocks I'd like to note. On uh, First is Dell on page 1108. Uh, they're very popular. Uh, they put out, of course, personal computers. And the edge that Dell has is that they have an entirely direct model. They don't have stores. They don't uh, have uh, retailers, you know, trying to push their product, although they have... Tr yeah, I heard of them. Well, uh, it would be. HP, you know, sells through retailers. They have a big consulting business. They're really making most of their money on, on printing and on ink. And a few years ago, Dell basically kicked Hewlett-Packard out of their system for printers, started like building HP? their own printers. I think they sourced from Lexmark and charged less for them and is trying to hammer back on HP and take some share from HP, in, particularly in ink. Uh, so uh, HP is a little bit under siege from the lowest cost operator in the business. They've got some legacy 
cost issues at HP. Value Line likes them right now. The stock's had a great run, which I think is basically, uh, you know, uh, fixing a discount from having the former uh, CEO in there, um, you know, not building shareholder value. Uh, but uh, and, the, and the guy in there now has done a lot to fix the cost structure. But in terms of a long-term battle, low-cost wins, and Dell is, uh, I think, you know, really an exceptional company uh, trading at a, at a pretty decent price. It's light discount to the market. It's not 10 times cash flow, which I like. It's about uh, 14. I'm going to stretch it because of the inherent growth in PCs. And, of course, they're having some success uh, in the consumer electronics market here as well. Uh, moving along, Ingram Micro, ticker IM. Value Line has its rated one. This is just worth noting because I agree with Value Line. Uh, they are distributing. It's a rare event. I wanted to take note of it. Uh, they are uh, distributors worldwide of electronics and uh, and software. They have improving returns. They're selling at uh, under 10 times cash flow, 12 times earnings. The balance sheet has been uh, improved, and you know they should grow no. kind of at the rate of electronics worldwide with with uh, you know growing democracy and freedom and capitalism. I think that's probably a pretty good bet. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, and then finally, I uh, just want to quickly mention that IBM rated three here is, you know, uh, obviously a, an old company. Uh, they're transitioning from hardware to consulting. They're yeah, having some success in that. They earn consistent 20% uh, returns on capital, 27% returns on equity. The balance sheet is in terrific shape, and it trades at eight times cash flow, 20% uh, discount to the S&P uh, market uh, multiple, and I think you just got to recommend that one on that basis. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, for people who just want a stock that kind of works just like cash, but a little better, there's a company here that Value Line rates for Reynolds and Reynolds, R E Y, page 1139. Uh, these guys have the systems that all the auto dealerships run on. That's the brand uh, they the people know when your car well. needs to come in, when it needs a tire, when it needs a tune up. They've just recently announced some, some new software uh, that I believe is going to help the dealers sell their inventory of parts to consumers. The, the stock spiked up a little bit. But, uh, you know, they're trying to find some additional verticals. They have a very stable market share, very stable cash flow. It's trading at about 12 times cash flow, 15% um, return on capital, 25% return on equity. Uh, but it's not, it's not a home run in terms of uh, capital appreciation, but it's a very stable, cheap stock, yields about 1.5%, and it could move to the mid-30s over the next uh, eight months. And with that... Vern, that's all I have. This is Value saying uh, good night and good day. Scintillating. Uh, and ditto from Kern.